2: Uh, a rational fear contains strong, coarse language and traces of nuts. A rational fear
1: recommends listening by an
2: immature audience.
1: Tonight, liberals start believing in climate change as they see it's the only way to prevent labour rising to record levels. And the Academy of Motion, Picture and Arts and Sciences create the worst Oscars ever, or as we like to call it in Australia, the Logies. After months of reporting, shoddy tender, self dealing, and conflicts of interest, the coalition say the only thing that could convince them to launch a federal ICAC would be a job on the board of a mining company. This is Irrational Fear! Don't forget, Oh, fantastic. This is Irrational Fear. It's the show that tells you what you should actually be scared of. It's kind of like dancing with the stars, but with less dancing, uh, less stars. uh we do rate about the same as Channel 10, though, so that's something to be uh, proud of. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Our first guest has a wit as sharp as her pencils, which is uh, why she mainly works in ink. Uh, she's a Francophile, a Walkley winner. She's renowned for cutting straight to the core of any issue with a single picture. It's nine's cartoonist at large, Kathy Wilcox.
4: Hi. <laughs> I...
1: I have to laugh because ever since Nine bought Fairfax, every every time I every time I think about that, it's, you you must be like the first cartoonist to join Nine since the guy from Hey Hey It's Saturday. <laughs>
5: Yeah, this is my audition, really. Um, I'm hoping that they'll that they'll that I'll branch into TV, um, doing the cartoons on the on the screen.
6: Oh, perfect! It's a, with, at the Today with show. a puppet,
5: perhaps on alongside. Oh, yeah,
6: side. good, good. At, at nine, are you comfortable? Do you say Fairfax or nine around the office still?
5: Uh, I cannot bring myself to say the N word, and I still <laughs> and I'm still talking about we're working for the organisation formerly known as Fairfax.
1: <laughs> Tonight, you're going to be touching very carefully on George Pell. I should have constructed that sentence a bit better. Right. Uh, yes. Sorry Such about that. Uh, oh. Will you, like Miranda Devine, go Catholic hunting tonight?
5: Well, I won't like Miranda Devine in the first place. <laughs> but, uh,
1: Excellent. Our next fear monger is one of the funniest sweeters in Australia, breaking down society, politics and science, and of course food, which makes sense because he's also one of this country's most celebrated chefs. It's Adam Liao! Yay! Adam, you have probably Australia's best Twitter feed.
3: That is entirely not true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And um, well, let me go, quickly go through here. Adam, uh, you, earlier this week you tweeted a great meme about Parmigiana and it, it's, it, it, go, it went viral. And I can't help but think that you have really given this country an identity crisis about what to call a Parmigiana. Uh, let's, see the, let's see the meme here. Top guy says, I'm going for Parma bottom guy says it's palmy or palmy etymologically a truncation of parmigiana uh a truncation is a form of colloquialism in an australian theory, uh oh what does that say i don't know <laughs> anyway it's very funny look it up for yourself i love it
4: the,
1: the last line is parmigiana itself is adjectival form of the italian
3: city Parma. boom mic yeah. drop oh. Oh. I, I, what do people even say? I, I grew up in South Australia, and everybody in South Australia says Parmi. But what do people in New South Wales say? I think New, uh, Victoria is pretty I'm from, Palmer. I'm from
0: Victoria, and it's Parma, and this whole thing is irritating me.
6: <laughs> no. <laughs> really? In Victoria, is it Parma? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I
0: don't know what that bit's about.
6: What, like, yes, that's what we call it.
0: Parmigiana. Parmy. There's so many A's in it.
4: Yeah, it's oh, not, it I'll have it the fish cakes. It is cake, I. <laughs>
0: Parmigiana. <laughs>
4: Permission.
0: You go down to fucking Lygon Street and tell them
6: it's Palmy. Good luck. <laughs> when you when you shorten biscuit, is that Biscuit? No, it's or Bicky. It a, it's Bicky. Or Bika uh-huh. in Melbourne.
1: I just <laughs> want to make it absolutely clear why we do have uh, the man himself here. It's scallops, right?
3: Not potato cakes. I didn't even eat them. I have no idea what they're called. I think they're called <laughs> potato fritters. To be honest.
1: Fritters! What? This is the whole show. Cancel
0: everything else.
1: (laughs) Tonight, you're going to be talking about the end of the two-party system. Uh, what, What kind of party would you create, Adam? Uh, Palmer United.
2: Ah! Excellent. <laughs> oh, not Palmy United, I noticed.
1: Ah. Our next beer monger tonight is an author of books. He's a broadcaster of afternoon radio. He's a blower of horns. He's a fellow worker in the Whimsy Factory and a personal hero of mine. James Valentine! <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> James, I had, I had many people online tonight demand you bring your saxophone tonight. Will we see it tonight?
6: Uh, no, you won't. The, the People do this. They go, oh, bring your sax along. That'd be great. And if you bring it out and play it, you, it's about 20 seconds before they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like saxophone, great in the band, great with everybody else. On its own, they go... Yeah, okay, that's enough. <laughs> it's like the careless whisper guy, you know, the yeah. guy that. It's like that.
1: Well, I mean, for younger people in the audience, I know Lewis and I, we, we probably came home from school. We used to watch you on television doing the afternoon show on, on ABC TV.
0: Well, you know, I grew up in a hippie commune and we weren't allowed TV, <laughs> <Thank> but. <yeah. laughs> Go on.
1: Um, but I went hunting for a clip of the afternoon TV show, right. uh, the afternoon show on, on ABC TV. Okay. And there was a guy who's a really big fan, and he put a whole bunch of clips together. It's just that. Look, I'll play it for you, and you will all see what part of the show he was a big fan of. That's
6: me, yeah. Look, look, I don't want to hear anything more about it. The afternoon show's over, so it's off to bed, he buys, okay? Get your jammies on, find your Mickey Mouse toothbrush from behind. And now, some short scenes on the afternoon. Oh, so he just liked the graphic. (laughs) <laughs> well, our good graphics. Sahida, at the end of September, the afternoon show will be going to Cairo, Egypt, in association with the Office of Multicultural Affairs. <laughs> no, we did. We went to India, I think. But anyway, for a while there, we were going to Cairo. But I just like to, like the end graphic you of like the show. The end. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. Very odd.
1: And I can't help but think that we're in some kind of weird flat Earth cycle because. You of the 90s looks like Lewis Hobber of 2019. Yeah. 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 yeah,
0: it's like, I see you and Andrew Denton and I'm just like, one of you is my real dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Next up, we've got Lewis Hobber. <laughs> Lewis, you're basically a man who can you could put a picture of himself on Instagram and then Basically start a meme where the whole world ridicules you, but also creates their own thirst trap. Uh, Earlier this week, or two weeks ago, uh, Lewis Hobber posted this picture on Instagram. (laughs) Which meant that thousands of other Australians all around the world saw it, and then posted their own similar pictures. (laughs) What, What is it like to create your own meme, Lewis?
0: It's really disturbing. I just thought it was a nice photo, and uh, I'm now fully aware of the fact that I'm not allowed to do nice photos. That's, um, I've just like it was like there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of strangers posting black and white photos and tagging me in it over the last two weeks. It has been so weird. It's been
1: so genuinely weird. I did, mine, I did mine for you as well, and I wanted to make it a little bit hotter, so I put a little chilli up my nose, <laughs> uh, which everybody, including Rosie Waterland, I think, was the first person to point out that it looks like a tampon up my nose. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tonight you're planning on talking about uh, New South Wales politics and its war on festivals?
0: Yes, that's right. I'm trying to get back on brand. This was some real um, rep- damage to my reputation. Now I'm going back to, like, Triple J Heartland. <laughs> the war on music festivals, it's like my equivalent of Scott Morrison talking about Stop the Boats.
1: I'm just like, let them eat pingers. (laughs) You're listening to Irrational Fear. It's like Q&A without misogynistic Canadians. Your fear is rational. Okay, first fear of the night, Federal ICAC. Do we really need one? is there any evidence of government corruption at all in the federal government? Now, did, I'm just going to paraphrase a fantastic chaser article today. They, they carefully laid out everything for us. Uh, so in the recent weeks, the coalition have been front and center of a bunch of scandals, uh, ministers withholding evidence for investigations, ministers getting free travel paid by companies, uh, bidding on billion dollar government contracts, ministers awarding half billion dollar contracts to a company registered at an island beach shack with direct relationships with that minister's sister, uh, put that together with Au Pairs, Reef Foundation, Stuart Roberts internet bills, Parakelia, franking credits and Foxtel's 30 million dollar gift for no reason. Aside from all of these, is there any reason we should have a federal ICAC at all?
5: Yes, yes, I think in terms of an archive of, of misde- misdemeanors because it was ter- would be terrible if we forgot all these things that were happening, and if you had an ICAC you'd have, you know, you'd have a good ready reckoner for, um, for you know, how to how how to be corrupt.
0: <laughs> it will get, it'll,
1: it'll show New Zealand the way. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think uh, if we've learned one thing from the banks, it's that we should just let people regulate themselves. <laughs> I, it always works.
5: People love to do it. That's right. The Lewis Hobbs is going Lord. to
1: be running for Indi uh, <laughs> as a Liberal. L-
5: the Lord gave man free choice, Dan, and I think that's what the, uh, what the lesson is, why we don't need an ICAC.
1: <laughs> I just like to think that it's kind of funny, like when Labor does it, it's corruption. When Liberals do it, it's called complement of interest. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that's their own expertise. I'd keep a close eye. Oh, you know all the Liberals that have just resigned in the last you know, month or so, the last you know coming off the election? where are they all going to go afterwards? Oh. What job will they all go to? Just see where that happens. That might suggest that you could... You know, I don't know if I can follow up retrospectively. Oh, you've left, but you happen to get a job with the thing that you've been working with for the last few years? You they're, know not,
1: they're not even that smart to do it quietly. When Ian McFarlane left, he was Resources Minister, and Tony Abbott blatantly said to the media, well, I hope the mining companies look after Ian McFarlane. They've been very good to He's been very good to them. And now he's the head of a lobby group out of China about mining resources
0: but why would you be quiet about it there are literally no ramifications for it <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah, no right. i was going to say barnaby joyce will go on to sperm donation or something like that <laughs> for money
3: yeah, yeah. i mean the, the, the whole idea of having a a inquiry into corruption assumes that the people doing it actually think it's corruption, but they don't. That is the legitimate business model of how it's actually supposed to work. And they go, this this isn't corruption, this is just how it's done.
1: what, What needs to happen? What is going to be the thing that gets us a federal ICAC?
6: What do you think? It is hard to imagine, isn't it? Because like we've had one in New South Wales, which they keep trying to close down, and it's you know, and then they, they got Ian McDonald, but then they managed to get him released again. So it is very hard to imagine <laughs> what level of corruption could actually be any worse than what's going on here that might deliver an actual. What we, we
0: need is um, some sort of big corruption to like. Donate to fund some sort of anti-corruption. Like we need like a mining equivalent, but just like a corruption organisation. A really corrupt lobby yeah, group to fund yeah. the
1: government well enough to investigate itself. <laughs> Stick with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Adam, you just kind of said that you know it kind of flies under the radar. People uh, kind of just take it for granted that it, it just happens. Um, Matthias Cormann under fire last week. Uh, I don't know if you know the story. Um, he personally called. The CEO of Hello World Travel to book tickets to Singapore for a family vacation. The CEO booked the flights and never charged Corman. At the same time, Hello World was getting a $1 billion contract from the government. Uh, It should also be noted that the CEO is also a high level member of the Liberal Party as well. Uh, If you could call any CEO to get something for free, who would you call?
6: I've actually done this. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, done, I've done this. Uh, when Ziggy Stokowski... Is that how name? named? Switzkowski. Yep. Switzkowski. When Switzkowski. Ziggy was head of Telstra, I was having phone problems, and I did that thing where the best thing you can do is write to the CEO. You know, don't, don't write... Don't, don't ring up the complaints line or anything. Just write directly to the office of the managing director. So I wrote to the office of the managing director. Worked a charm. Now, maybe I did it on ABC Letterhead. Um, maybe I mentioned a thing or two about, you know, but it did work like a week later, I've got like the head of New South Wales on the phone. Really? Are there problems with the phone line? We must get to that immediately. Yes, and it hasn't been working for a long time. We'd like a refund. Certainly have a refund. Like, that's absolutely sure. That's absolutely fine. Do you mind never mentioning this? No, I'll never mention it anywhere. Don't you worry. It'll never come up. Like, I can't imagine any circumstances where I tell anybody about that kind of behaviour. And this is why we need a federal act. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah, I thought I thought just uh, openly tweeting about things was uh, was the, the next best thing. You it's know? the modern When when, thing. when something doesn't work in the house, um, the family just says to me, Mum, can you tweet about this thing?" You know, and mm. and then you have the company, you know, g- at your feet saying, "What can we do? How can we fix this up for you?"
1: So you're a power broker for your family because you you're you're an influential tweeter. That's
5: right. I never thought that I would you know that I would use my power in such a, yeah. Who a would self-serving thought way. The
1: cartoonist for nine would have such power. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. I mean. the, the
1: common thing irritated me. I wish I
4: wish
0: I had have thought like you did, James. Because as another ABC employee, I often think like I can't. We're not allowed to get anything for free. Anything yeah. that comes to us for free, big or small, we have to send it back. Uh, and it just it irritates... Because we also get paid a lot less than the government as government employees. And it irritates me that the only reason they didn't realise he was getting it for free is that he's already so rich that he doesn't need to
6: get it for free. Yeah. I'm like, we get an ABC wage, we need it for free, and yeah. we still can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you not noticed that particular injustice in the world? that I'm just free, learning. Rich people get everything for free. It's incredibly <laughs> annoying. Have a car, rich person. Please use my holiday home, rich person. I, I feel very uncomfortable right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> because oh. I have a car sponsor and a chocolate yeah. sponsor and a <laughs> pasta sponsor and all kinds of sponsors associated with my work. Yeah. I do uh, not... To be on yeah, that yeah. other right. national That's broadcaster.
4: Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the rich, heady world of SBS.
5: <laughs> I, had, I had a jeweller lend me, lend me some earrings... Because he, he uh, in fact, it's my mum's jeweller, and I'm like the CEO that he calls. Because oh. he thinks that I have a tremendous amount of influence in the media, so he calls me about things that he thinks are conflicts of interest, about one jeweller getting to do a thing over, over some other jeweller, oh. and it's quite funny. Oh. But he, gave me, he he lent me a pair of earrings because he knew that I was going to be meeting Julie Bishop in Canberra a couple <laughs> of years ago. <laughs> and nice. he just said... Could you just slip on my card? Just slip on my business
1: card. (laughs) Well, uh, I did. I I managed to get the business card of Hello World CEO Andrew Burns. So I've got his number and Uh I I called it um, and I I just had to leave a message. But um, uh, this is his voicemail.
2: Hi, you've reached the phone of Andrew Burns, CEO of Hello World. If you're a government minister who is in urgent need of a family holiday, press 1. If you're Joe Hockey, what the fuck, mate? Where have you been? You still owe me one. Press 2. If you're a journalist from the fake news media calling about alleged impropriety between Hello World and the Liberal Party, our official response is this. This is nothing like the time Dastiari's trips were paid for by a Chinese education group. He was Labour. We're Liberals. It's different. If you want further comment, leave a message we can ignore. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>
1: Alright, on to fear number two, the government is absolutely cooked. Absolutely. Here's something strange. Now, despite being made up of a whole bunch of rich white guys who all went to the same university, we have a minority government. I no idea about that. Which means legislation, uh, passing legislation, is pretty difficult. It can be more difficult than the time I asked my mum if I could get blonde tips. That was just last week. She said no. Uh, was <laughs> she was right, well, was right to, to do say, that I was going to say,
5: isn't that the first time that a bunch of powerful white guys are a minority?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, I should have done... You're a better joke writer than me. That was that was the joke I was going for. Yeah, yeah, it didn't quite roll out. I wrote it, I was just very rushed. Uh, all right, um, but here's the thing. The government... Not, the government legislation was passed, but it just wasn't passed by the government. It was passed by the crossbench uh, and the opposition, who at the time were suffering a... Brief but severe bout of compassion, they decided uh, that it actually would be okay if refugees who are sick on Manus Island, who can't be looked after on Manus Island, uh, were transferred to Australia. That bill passed 36 to 34. The government lost, uh, and a new, was, a new law was made without them. The government lost. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> That's right. Let's get this crooked media vibe on. (laughs) To put it in perspective, that almost never happens. And when it does, it can prove fatal for the government. The government can lose confidence and they have to dissolve the government. In fact, the last time a government had to dissolve after a vote was lost was 1929. Um, Now, comedian and friend of the show, Ben Jenkins, explained this in a very eloquent Twitter feed. He, he, He kind of put it in perspective. He... He said, this is Ben's first tweet. Ospol nerds, if you're wondering what all this 1929 business is about, here's a quick explainer, a thread. And the next tweet is, in 1929, the PM was Stanley Bruce. In March of that year, on the floor of the House of Representatives, his dick exploded and died. <laughs> and then he went on to say, hope this was
3: helpful. So, <laughs> so my question is, do we need a government at all? Oh. This, this past Christmas... It was one of the best times of my life. And a lot of people are really around. on the LMP, the, the current government, for having so few sitting days between now and uh, whatever happens when we have more sitting days. But it has been absolute bloody bliss. Not having to hear... Endless sound bites from every person talking about something that they don't even believe in. All through Christmas was like, I don't even have to think about politics anymore. And then all of a sudden Q and
6: A started and everything went to shit again. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing about, about this is that it's time to you could actually rethink everything. See like I I would be an advocate for new electorates, as in not geographic. Like the, the the stupid thing is oh. that we have this nineteenth century notion that because I live next door to you, Dan, yeah. you and I should go and vote as, sure. as as a block. Yeah, I could I could be at a much more interesting electorate with you, and I don't live anywhere near you. You know what I mean? Like you should, the electrics could be reformed according to all sorts of other ways, rather than just because you happen to be living around the corner. Made sense in about eighteen seventy. Doesn't make sense now. James
1: Valentine Mandering, we could call
0: it.
6: <laughs> I like it. I like it.
0: <laughs> I've always been more of a in favour of choosing the leader more, just like an annual lottery. <laughs> May we just roll the balls. Everyone's name is in there. You get a go for a year. Yeah. And then you just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it could uh, be you.
5: <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I mean, I've often thought that a council of elders would be the way to do it, you know, a, you know, a bunch of wise old people. I think there's
0: <laughs> enough fucking elders. <laughs> well,
5: that and and there's not a lot of wise ones about. We, we too, already so, have a queen. Yeah, Why don't we just
3: of, give her a run? Like, you yeah. know, like I know we have the whole separation of the, the royal part of everything and the government part of everything, but we're Australia. We can do whatever we like. So while we're still part of the, the, the crown, why don't we say, why don't you just have another go, see yeah. if you can do it better? Yeah. It Libby, be in your
0: last year, why not yeah. give it a crack? <laughs> well, I think the great thing about um, Scott Morrison losing this vote is that now he's a lot like the Queen and that his role is largely ceremonial. <laughs>
4: Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Fear number three. Paladin don't. Paladin is on strike. Now, uh, I, I, this afternoon, this is kind of a bit of breaking news. Um, there's some news from Manus Island. Uh, I've been seeing tweets from people I know there who are saying that Paladin, uh, the pal- which is the contractor that runs the detention center there, is on strike. Now, for those of you who don't know who Paladin is, let me just quickly That's catch... That's literally everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what's so sus <laughs> about it. Yeah. There are some people here who are just who are on the internet all the time, so they, they've been following Alex Turnbull's tweet. (laughs) Um, So Paladin is a shady shell company charged with the job of running the prison camps on Manus Island on behalf of Australia. Uh, There's three of them there. They're run by an ex-soldier and his brother. Its headquarters up until two weeks ago was registered to a beach shack on Kangaroo Island. They get $20 million a month to run the camps. Uh, I've been there It doesn't look like twenty million dollars a month.
5: Very, very good canvas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's actually not good canvas, and there's no roads. There's nothing. There's it's it's really terrible. You think they would have like roads?
0: Forty million a month, maybe we could get you some roads. But
1: twenty million. For twenty, you'd want like a pool and a tennis court, a massage parlor. These are the things you want for twenty million dollars. Now, much of the twenty million dollars a month gets siphoned off to the brother of the speaker of the house in Papua New Guinea that keeps it all in the family. Uh, the contract was awarded in 11 days because uh, the, the last company that was running the Manus Island Detention Centres said they wanted to get out of the prison business um, and it was a limited tender, which means one, only one company was invited to tender for it and that company has an alleged connection with Peter Dutton's sister, who works with that company.
5: Which is a scary thought anyway. Yeah. That he
1: has a sister? <laughs> <laughs> The,
5: There's more of them. The minister
1: tried to remove the contracts from being accessed by Freedom of Information requests and later, later deleted the details of the deal off a government website. And uh, the staff who work at these three prison camps that are funded tw- by $20 million a month of Australian money get paid $3.50 an hour. That's muffin break levels.
5: LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> just doing internships
1: (laughs) millennials in Manus Island they just you know so resentful uh so this is, this is all in the Australian Financial Review. Incredible reporting from the AFR over this, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but when, obviously, uh, the people who work on, work for Palandton are a little bit pissed off and have decided to go on strike. So this is okay if you're, if you're a worker because you know who cares? You're only earning three dollars fifty an hour anyway. But if you are actually a refugee, there, it's kind of bad news. There's no security, no one cleaning up, no one um, checking the plumbing, no one to look after you and your health while you're there uh, in Australia's care. And
5: that's when the light came... And they saw a solution, and that the refugees could suddenly be the ones who were running the refugee camp,
4: yeah. gainfully employed,
5: yeah. and they could run them to the conditions that would be nice, and they could use that money well, and they could all be happy.
6: Give them twenty million a month to and run their all own camp. We want
5: to go and stay there because it'd be such a nice place. It
6: would be such a nice place. told you 20 20... about
1: Bali? <laughs> uh, so anyway, I. Um, uh, on a scale of one to terrified, how scared are you of refugees coming to Australia to take your jobs, Lewis? I mean, I'm always terrified of someone <laughs> to take my job. It's very easy to do. At the youth broadcaster. Um, who's coming down the line, Lewis, that might literally be young anyone. It's like, can
0: you stand in front of a microphone and
6: ask people where the weirdest place is they've had sex? There it is. <laughs> you work at Triple J. <laughs> Yeah, I'm terrified because, I mean, I work at the ABC as well. How keen would the ABC be to replace ageing white man with refugee? I mean, that's just so ABC, isn't it, you know?
5: That is actually... I'm that's done. current policy. That's it. I, I just
6: have to go and work for yeah. Andrew Bolt. That'll be, be
5: straight <laughs> up. Well, the you last know. cartoonist that was on um, on uh, Manus Island uh, or Na- Nauru, in fact, ended up getting um, um, refugee status and going to live in uh, in Norway. So, so whew, that was a close break to me. Yeah, that's true.
4: <laughs> the that happiest country
1: but in the this, world.
6: Isn't this like we're at the sort of Trump level of, of crisis now and, and and scandal, where it's just another one? So we kind of shrug a bit. Whereas at any other point, one of these should have been enough to go hang on, you know, terrible, all gone, resign, you're appalling. Now you kind of go, oh, so di- this, is this stuff okay now, is it? Like you're not quite sure what to do with it.
1: And marriage at first sight is also on TV. And marriage at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was there in January uh, and and uh, and I actually... Uh, got deported from Manus Island uh, What <laughs>
4: uh, did
1: you do to get deported yeah. Dan? Uh, I, I went and hung out and made videos on a tourist visa apparently apparently vloggers are journalists now uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said no but I'm a comedian it was great. Uh, sorry. Dan are you are you an influencer? <laughs> no I'm not an influencer <laughs> you're an influencer Like
6: how did how did you get caught as such like what what was that process?
1: Oh uh, I was filming um, uh, the writer Behrouz Bachani were, were filming in um, the Loringal Hotel pool. Doing a sketch? They were doing
5: a, no, were well, doing just, a comedy sketch with him, obviously. Uh, that,
1: that's exactly what I said. Uh, and He's a funny guy. He was a very funny guy. And he, as we were filming, as I was interviewing him, he said, oh, immigration are here. And I said, oh, for you? He said, no, for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah, great. Um, yeah, sure, uh, and then I I got escorted to Port Moresby, when I got to Moresby I got interviewed and I tried to explain, I'm a comedian, and he's like, well, making jokes about refugees isn't very funny, and he said, that's very sad, and i went, that's my brand! <laughs> <laughs> I try and make the funniest thing sad, and I and looked that, at I looked at his sheet, he wrote down, funniest thing sad, and I was like, yes!
6: <laughs> <laughs> and is that PNG government deporting you? Not a, like, on Manus, is it's, it PNG, not Australia? The it's PNG government, there's plenty up? of
1: Aussies there, yeah. but the... The PNG government um, shook shook me out, and right. the next day when I flew out, I got escorted through the uh, the border, and uh, I got taken to a special gate uh, to stamp my passport. Oh, so a good uh, way to get through. through oh, very far. Go. Very. Yeah. If you need a quick exit out yeah. of PNG, make some comedy. <laughs> 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 uh, I got stamped, and um, the border guard said, "Huh." He looked at the computer, looked at me. I was like, "Oh, so uh, you're on TV?" And I went, "Well, you know." Not, not anymore, but uh, sometimes uh, you're on the internet. I'm like, yeah, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a YouTube channel? I'm like, yeah, so I mean, yeah, sort of, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, this is great. Uh, he's like, hmm, our governments don't take too kindly the jokes. They don't get it. <laughs> he stamped my passport. And away I went. I went home. It was great. <laughs> so one of the jokes I did make there was uh, this video. Do you guys want to see it? Yeah. Freshly made, freshly made today for you. You stuck the boat, you put us in a
3: prison in a tropical island. In six years of time, I had a lot of time to think, mostly about my mode of transport.
2: You want to go by boat
1: or plane? By
2: plane. Okay,
1: We learn some Australian culture. This cup is shit. Fair dinkum.
6: Fair dinkum. Fair go. Fair go. After six years, we've been waiting to be processed, Prime Minister como So,
4: <laughs>
6: ladies and gentlemen, James Valentine. Oh, you want to top up? Um, okay, so this is, this, well this is, we were asked to do a bit of a rave about something, so this is, this is, a, this is a rant that I did upon the, the, the radio yesterday, I just, I just said, look, if you're 40 years of age and you find these words coming out of your mouth, I don't know about the young people, <laughs> young people today, I saw these young people, what's with the young people? If those words come out of your mouth, march to the bathroom, stare in the mirror and go, you're old, dickhead. You are now an old person. You are an old person who just started criticising young people. That is what old people do, and you've just reached that age. For some of you here, you mightn't have got there yet, but some of you may have already said, that's not music, that's just noise. (laughs) And that is what every 40-plus-year-old says to every young person in every generation and has done forever. I only had to start talking about this for about three minutes, and about six people texted me the quote from Socrates... (laughs) in 400 BC, where Socrates says, oh, fuck those millennials. <laughs> and I was inspired to this by the muffin break woman who, you know... Just, oh, gee, they're just terrible, they're just feckless, they're awful, they won't turn up. I mean, some of them, some of them don't think work's a priority, and I mean, some of them just won't knock on my door and volunteer to work for free. Can you believe that out of those young people? That is just so terrible. Now, I have several theories about this. One is that I think what happens is that there are some young people, there's plenty of young people, uh, we know them right now, and you may have been one of them, who at... 23, you're hard working, you've got your degree or you've done whatever, you've done your apprenticeship, you, you, know, you get your truck, you go to work, you, you apply for jobs, you work hard, you know, 28, you get married, you have a kid and then at 40, you've got this sort of drunk teenager and go, who the fuck is this? You know, where did he come from? This is appalling. Sort of, is It's what the young people are like now. That's just shocking, you know. Then there's other young people, other people who at the same sort of stage. They've had a good four or five years of boozing and going crazy and being generally nuts. They get to 40, 45 and they've completely forgotten all that. Just all gone. No, that wasn't me. I never did anything like that. So what I like to do is every now and again is just remind people, well... I feel that myself, I fit neither of these categories. I have a very clear memory of what a dickhead I was and what an awful young person I was because I was that person till about 35. <laughs> it was a very extended period of being a young turd. And I was arrogant, I was lazy, I was, you know, like, as a, as a young person, I was either working as a musician or when, when there weren't gigs around, I'd work as a waiter. How many shifts do you think I didn't turn up to because I got a gig as a musician? <laughs> quite a few, you know, quite a lot. What was my main kind of occupation if I wasn't being a musician? Smoke and pot. What was my main occupation during being a musician? Smoking pot, you know. Like, it was a drug fueled environment where we were all off our brains, crazy and nuts, and I was in that mode for about a decade, which meant I was an idiot the whole time. And so I have a sort of general sense of, like, even when I moved out of being a musician and moved into working for, for children's television, I wasn't very different. LAUGHTER as some, some viewers would notice, and uh, maybe remember, I used to do a segment on that where I'd invite kids to write in, to send in an appalling recipe, something really horrible, you know, a concoction of foods that I'd mix up and then I had to eat it on, on the show. It was called Monday Munchies. <laughs> wow, how did you get that? And there was occasionally... There was occasionally a letter from Lismore that would go, I know what you're on about, mate. You know? So my sort of sense of whenever I start to go, you know, oh, that's just music, you know, that's not music, that's noise, or your young people are idiots, I just go, guess what... They're young. They'll pretty soon turn into 30-year-olds with kids and bank balances and mortgages and all the rest of it. It's OK. They'll be fine. While you're looking at your feckless one, there also appears to be enormous... You know, the universities are overflowing. We've got an Australian Olympic team. We've got people anxious to play cricket for the nation and all the rest of it. Everything seems to be fine. So next time you find yourself doing that, go to the bathroom, look in the mirror. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Lewis, you
1: you talk to young people all day on radio. Uh, Yes. uh, Are they as entitled as the lamestream media suggests they are?
0: I'd say after the last week they are entitled to a few free muffins, at the very (laughs) (laughs) least. I can't believe the Muffin Break thing. Also, I'm writing down Monday Munchies, by the way.
1: It's a a great idea for a segment for Triple J. (laughs) Adam, is that an appealing segment for Destination (laughs) (laughs) Flavour?
3: You know, we we, we don't tend to do too many weird foods on Destination Flavour because... they just don't tend to work on television. But certainly I could see it happening. Destination on the radio. It worked a treat De- on television. I had to eat the shit. It was awful.
0: I Destination Stone flavour, which was just <laughs> you being like, I took a bit of salsa and I put it on a salada. Yeah,
3: unfortunately, the SBS relationship with Vice has very recently ended, so. <laughs> There's a lot of industries that,
1: that media claim that millennials have completely destroyed. Uh, loads of them. What is the untouched industry that millennials have yet to disrupt? Aged care.
6: <laughs> I
4: would have said the
1: same. <laughs> yeah, you got a point there.
6: Yeah. I, I, I was going with used car salesmen) <laughs> You don't seem to run into a millennial. That You run into a millennial in the real estate world. Fuck, oh, they're annoying, actually. Um, you know, they're I mean, of, every know, generation of... of real estate agents are trash. Yeah, that's right. But the young ones will be this. They'll, they'll have pulled up in the Audi, very sharp, got the whole suit <laughs> thing going on. Very, very annoying. But in the used car area, everyone's still 57. You We're know. <laughs> all the used skateboards. <laughs> <idiots>. That's
1: right. <laughs> uh, this is a rational fear. We've got more blood on our hands than Pauline Hanson's door. <laughs> So, uh, as you know, Cathy Wilcox is here, but I should explain why she's here. Because Alice Workman called me up about four hours ago and said she's really sick and, and she can't make it. What was that? She's getting sued. She's getting sued. Yeah. She also she also said she had lost her voice. Uh, I don't think she wouldn't she wouldn't mind coming here and getting sued at the same time. She loves her she loves a chat. <laughs> there you
4: go.
1: She's been getting sued for a long time, so it's okay. But we do have uh, Kathy Wilcox here, and I just thought it would be great to go through some of Kathy's greatest hits when it comes to George Pell. <laughs> since uh, yeah. it's since, since the news that just broke uh, a few hours ago that George Pell has been charged. <gasps> uh, <laughs> Rosie, yeah. biggin' up Pell. All right, so um, Cathy, let's go through some of your work about George Pell. Yeah,
5: I think of it as uh, taking a a trip down Nightmare Lane, (laughs) really. Let's
1: have a look here. This is going to be great for the podcast, so um, I'll read out the titles. Heard No Evil, Saw No Evil... Evils not of much interest to me.
5: Yeah, that's um, when uh, when he was asked whether why he had not paid any attention to to the complaints of um, of priests in Ballarat um, um, abusing children, and he and he seemed you know quite happy to be unaware of it and uninvolved, and showed showed his complete uh, coldness and lack of compassion.
1: In mean, what year was that?
5: <sighs> that was about 2014, maybe. Yeah.
1: All right, let's have a look. Um, here's another one. So That's, this is just
5: the ongoing sort of relationship between the church and, um, and the state where they're very happy to separate this church and state to be able to make their own rules about some things. So, so uh, here's the government person saying to the, uh, to the clergyman, so you'd like us to continue funding, funding your organisation that excludes atheists, Jews, gays, single parents, adulterers, etc.? That, that is, is correct. correct. Uh, you understand that some of this money would come from atheists, Jews, gays, single parents, adulterers, etc.? Of course, uh, we're a
1: broad church.
5: (laughs) So, yes, that separation only goes so far.
1: Um... Here's one. This is uh, is that Richard Dawkins?
5: Ah, oh, the Dorkster, Yes. The only th- the only thing wrong with you know with arguing against Catholicism is is that you end up sort of having an, an atheist doing the arguing, and and the worst kind of atheist has got to be um, Richard Dawkins. Oh man, I, he's bad, so bad for the brand. He was <laughs> yeah. he was
1: terrible. Uh, I remember seeing him on Q and A. He was uh, quite woeful yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. quite disrespectful, really. Yes, yes. Yeah. He's so better. he's pointing to George Pell, saying you're wrong, and George Pell says.
5: Uh, So, (laughs) sitting on the wealthy, powerful, impenetrable, tradition-bound, infallible institution...
1: Ah, here I love a pencil sketch. This a is clearly sketch, one that didn't make it through to the see, editors. That's right.
5: Sometimes things get proposed and they just don't end up um, making it onto the page. So, so you've got
1: two characters here. Who yeah, are the so, characters? Uh,
5: well, one of them looks like um, the Pope um, uh, before Francis, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger. Whatever his name, what his name was? Senator uh, Palpatine. <laughs> Senator Palpatine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I think that there was some story about um, condoms being distributed in the Vatican or something like that. And uh, and so here is one of his um, one of his younger um um, 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 priests going oh no your holiness i can assure you these won't be used for contraception (laughs) because they don't believe in contraception (laughs) so anyway i don't know why but they didn't print that one
1: (laughs) it would have been good in picture magazine (laughs) or the post all right um Why do priests wear flowing robes?
5: To cover a multitude of sins. And (laughs) so if you have been listening to the radio today, that is just too, too literal and and horrible. I know sometimes it's a cheap shot and a throwaway line, but... um, uh, yeah. With Here the, we go. So we've
1: got um, uh, Peter Dutton on one side and a priest on the other, and the, uh, the headline is, The Separation of Church and State Sanctioned Abuse, and they both say together, Come, come with, with me. me.
5: Yes, because um, the state is just as good at abusing little kitties. Now, this is a, a public
1: cartoon, right? So this is a, yeah. a very different style to the, the ones that you're the, the, the big set piece. The is. big ones. So I
5: mostly do the you big capture, ones.
1: How do you go about capturing such a huge idea in such a small spot?
5: Uh, well, I figured out uh, quite a long time ago that when you're only working in a square, in a column, so it's about sort of four to five centimetres square, there's not a whole lot of room for for elaborate artwork and detailed drawing and so forth. So just capturing the essence. Usually, it's accompanying an article, so you're capturing the essence of the article, making taking it, you know, a, a few steps beyond, if possible, if I if I can do that. And um, and just saying the essential, and a few words can do it.
1: All right, here's another pocket one. Welcome, Brother George. This is Pope Francis welcoming uh, George Pell to so, hang yes. out in the, uh, in yeah, the Vatican. When,
5: when Pell was uh, was invited to go go to the Vatican to supposedly clean up their the finances, I saw that that um, cleaning up the slops would have been really rather more like it. And um, and now we look look back on that with um, with different eyes and think what he was being do- given to, to to do was to stay. Stay well away from trouble um, back in uh, Australia.
1: All right, here we go. Here's here's a classic. This is um, one that's quite famous. Uh, You've got three confessional births varying in size. The first one says, Father, forgive me, for I have sexually abused a child. The next one says, Father, forgive forgive me, Father, for I have concealed a child abuser. And the biggest one says, forgive me, Father, for I have protected a priest who concealed a child abuser. It's, um, it's like a, a Russian doll situation. A Russian
5: almost. Intro- it's exactly. And it's, the, and it's that um, spiral logic of so much of, um, of religious uh, tradition and rules that means that they are unable to be um, accountable because they are uh, accountable only to themselves because they, you know, it's like Tim mentioned song about you know it's a good book because it's a good book because it says it's a good book and a good book would say it's a good book and the good book and so on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I, not uh, uh,
4: David Marr has an
1: extraordinary priest in The Guardian today and um, he's, one of his lines was... Uh, uh, He didn't have anyone to answer to because there were no votes cast for him. He was just appointed by the Pope. That's my David Marr impression. Very happy with that. Um, And finally, this one. We must... So we've got Pope Francis... Talking to talking to uh, clergy, we must look deeper into our hearts and admit to ourselves where the responsibility for child abuse in the Catholic Church lies. Luckily, we have Satan to blame. Yes,
5: yeah, so that was in, in um, the paper today on the strength of um, of Pope Francis's um, statement that that these abusers, these terrible abusers in the Church, were tools of Satan. Well, they were definitely tools, but but you know, whether of, <laughs> whether of of Satan or you know, at what point were they actually going to take um, you know, be accountable and take responsibility themselves. And there's one more cartoon. This I is think. the last
1: one. This is the, the, the one. last one
5: in here. You that. are getting the sneak preview because this one's in the paper tomorrow, uh, uh, on the following the news today regarding Cardinal Pell. And
1: all of a sudden, this is turned into Tony Delroy's tomorrow's news today. <laughs>
5: yes.
4: Mm, you don't, what, what paper have
1: it, haven't even
5: tweeted it. It's not even seven thirty in the morning yet. <laughs> tomorrow's news today. It's just the the the, the institution really, right. um, and the. Um, the great man fallen, yeah. although. All right.
6: Please thank Kathy Wilcox. That's great, Kathy. Thank you. I find I find that a weighty responsibility. You know, like I, I, if I have to delve into that and make any sort of comment or take calls from people, it feels weighty to have to distil that moment into something for the paper that's going to be there and going to represent so much of how people feel and all that sort of stuff, I'd find that a weighty responsibility.
1: Yeah, I'm Catholic, so I would get phone calls from all sorts of <laughs> from relatives. From
0: the <laughs> I, I, Like, well, I'm, I'm so weirdly irreligious, as you know, like, growing up in a, like, literal commune. Um, so, like, I don't know what it's like. What, like, what do Catholics think? Oh, I, What's the vibe?
6: Is it
1: high? Uh, no, no I, don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I haven't been around
6: in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, so I went to a Catholic mass. Like Most of my family is Catholic, not the ones i married into. I went to a Catholic mass on uh, last Christmas Eve, and it was sombre. And they were, you know, seeking forgiveness of the... Like, it was quite impressive how... Um, disturbed they were, how disturbed the priest was by it all, and that was kind of the theme of what they talked about it wasn 't so there was no glossing over at this particular one. it was sort of like things are terrible we 've done terrible things that, that was the general tenor.
4: Hmm. Yeah. Even
5: though facing reality isn't isn't really what religious what religion's about, a lot of the time. Well, I think is there's it, often a difference and, between uh, like a,
6: the big Vatican institution and some individual priests. You can go somewhere and they'll be great. And
1: mm-hmm. that's right. And there's a lot of great people who mm. uh, are in those institutions who are just shocked at what's happened yeah. as well. So you know their their whole world has collapsed around mm. them. Um, now, one of the great friends of um, Cardinal George Pell was inexplicably Alan Jones. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, yeah. And last week he was, he forced, he was forced to apologise to Malcolm Turnbull. Did anybody see this? He was forced to give an apology to Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, I don't, did anybody hear it? Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad no I'll one did. I have a Google uh,
0: alert set for
1: Alan Jones' forced apology, <laughs> and it, it pings pretty often. <laughs> I actually, I, was, I actually took a screen. I was gonna. That was gonna be the, this title card at the Alan Jones Google. Uh, Alan Jones apologises too, and it's like there's a list of people: Louise Heron, Julia Gillard, blah blah blah. Basically, a lot of women. I think Malcolm okay. Turnbull's the first man he's had to apologise to in a while.
5: Yeah, yeah, I think that says something. Anyway, you? if you
1: didn't hear it, I caught it earlier. Um, do you guys want to hear? It? All right, here, here, here is Alan Jones apologising.
2: So, Alan, if climate change is real, then why is it snowing in the Northern Hemisphere in the middle of February? I mean, what happened to summer? <laughs> You're too right there, Mildred. Stick on the line and thanks to our friends at the Mineral Council, we'll send you out a lump of clean coal that you can cuddle at night to remind you of all the cool things coal does for humanity. Coal, it's organic. 2GB873. Would you get a load of this? It's been made known to me that I may have said something again about someone again that requires an apology. Again. Oh, God. My lawyers have made it absolutely clear to me that if I don't apologise to this person, my employer, Macquarie Media, may not renew my multi-million dollar contract. Oh, can you believe it? It's absurd. I'm a shareholder. I pay their bills so they can pay my defamation fines. God, I wouldn't mind a franking credit on those shares. <laughs> OK, <clears throat> here goes. I, Alan Jones, unreservedly apologise for calling Malcolm Turnbull a traitor to the country last Friday. I went too far, just like the time I tried to audition for a Vita. There you go. You happy? <laughs> Traitor. That's weak. I've called Malcolm Turnbull worse things. I once said living under a Turnbull government is the reason why parents stop vaccinating their kids. I once said Turnbull had less charisma than a pile of sticky damp socks. <laughs> that was a good one. I once said Malcolm Turnbull is like mother's Christmas cake. It's rich, no one asks for it, but you're forced to swallow it whole. Oh, God. <laughs> and no one asked for an apology then, did they? No. Then again, my contract wasn't up for renewal. Oh, God. The only other apology I'd like to make today is to you, dear listener. Because of the apologies I've just made, I wasn't able to fit in the latest song from Anthony Collier's Christmas in July album. Oh, what a voice! It's unapologetically great. Stick with us. The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, joins us to tell us which travel company owned by a senior Liberal Party official you should choose when booking your own offshore detention getaway. (laughs) You're listening to the Ad Jones Breakfast Show.
1: (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Liao! (laughs)
3: This is entitled, The Party Is Over. Politics used to be so easy. A bunch of white guys in advanced middle age from whatever side of the aisle and fresh from the Qantas business lounge in identical Navy suits would get together and they'd start by saying things like, Hello, John. Good to see you, John. Hope you've been well, John. And then they'd decide which graduate of Sydney, Melbourne or Adelaide Law School got to be a member of Parliament, a Senator or even Prime Minister. And that's what we call merit. LAUGHTER And then we'd all go and vote for them, because the silly part of democracy is that even though they're the ones who've already dealt with the difficult part of the whole merit process, it's actually up to us to think who to vote for. But luckily, we don't have to think too hard, because the merit guys tell us what's important, and sometimes it's not what our tiny non-meritorious brains think is important. You may think that the 32% of the population that are white men, who commit nearly 60% of the violent crime, and statistically just about all of the murders, would be important. But it's not. What's important is the 0.1% of the population that is of African heritage who commit less than 1% of the crime. And so you see how it can be very, very confusing. (laughs) And you may also think the important issue is the impending heat death of the entire world. But actually, the important issue is electricity prices. And you may think that electricity prices are high because of government mismanagement and staggering policy failures over decades, despite Australia being rich in resources and having absolutely perfect conditions for the generation of both traditional and renewable energy. But no, power prices are high because of wind farms. <laughs> At the end of the day, it was great that they told us what to think about because it saved us the hassle of having to think about a lot of things a group of former lawyers named John was called a party. And when they chatted to a journalist, they decided what was important, that was called a narrative. And a narrative was what you used to win an election. But then something happened. We all got these things, iPads and smartphones and social media, instead of calling your mum or your best mate, we started click clacking away and talking to complete strangers. And in a couple of years, instead of getting your information from from the guy called John in the red shirt or the guy called John in the blue shirt, or from the journalist who John spoke to, or from your mum who read the thing that the journalist wrote who John spoke to, we started to get our opinions from everywhere else, and that sucked. (laughs) Because you see, John understood that the more opinions you have, the harder it is to find someone who's going to agree with all of them. So say you want to buy a house in Sydney, and you're pretty fired up to get rid of the old negative gearing, because debt funding in the Sydney housing market has driven up prices so that only rich people can afford them. But then those bloody rich people aren't even paying taxes, they're getting franking credits from investing in Australian securities, so now you want to get rid of that too. But then you think for a moment and you're not quite sure if all the rich people pulling their money out of Australian securities aren't going to drop all of those dollars back into the investment properties, so now instead of debt funding the property market and equity funding Australian securities, we're just switching it around and equity funding the property market and debt funding Australian securities, so now you might vote for the (laughs) LNP. But they have a woman problem, and that's a deal-breaker. So then you might vote for the Greens because socialism is not so bad, but they've got a woman problem too, and it might actually be an even bigger woman problem than the LNP woman problem. So what's left? Labour. Or maybe the idea of getting Bill Shorten to mimic human emotion every day for the next four years is your absolute number one deal-breaker. Or maybe you're in the US and you think Donald Trump is great, and I mean, you're not really racist, but he does make a lot of good points about how brown people are bad. <laughs> and even he, if he is a bit racist and a sexual abuser and his own wife called him a rapist, racism isn't really a deal breaker for you because the real problem is socialism and healthcare. So now you're a Democrat. And that should be the most united party in the history of politics right now. Because, sure, dividing yourself down the middle in 2016 might have made the worst person in the entire world your president and brought about the rapid decline of the American empire. But now you've learnt your lesson. Because in 2020, it is Bernie or Bust. Wait, what? Okay. (laughs) He's an unconventional guy with some crazy ideas, but you just didn't like the way that Hillary Clinton or Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris are always lecturing you in their big, angry woman voice even though you're a big, strong boy. (laughs) Or maybe you're in the UK and Brexit has torn the Tories apart because say you accidentally walk into a restaurant and you order a shit sandwich as a joke, but then you actually receive a sandwich (laughs) made of shit. There is a limit to how delicious you can reasonably tell someone that taste as you slowly and sadly eat it. And then UK Labour is equally baffling because with a Tory Prime Minister who is essentially dancing awkwardly while backing into a series of knives, repeatedly reciting Et Tu Brute, Jeremy Corbyn's best political manoeuvre would be a long holiday in the Maldives. But yet, he couldn't stop himself from being a tiny little bit Anti-Semitic. So the more opinions we hold, these days we live in an age of fine, bespoke opinions, and every single one we love as if it were our own. And the more opinions we hold, the more we surround ourselves with people who agree that those opinions are the only true and correct opinions, the more convinced that we become that we are not only correct, but morally insurpassable. It used to be very simple. Throwing children into the sea is bad, and therefore I know where my go- vote is going. But these days, try and find a party or a politician who agrees with you on even the top three, three things that are absolutely a no-deal deal-breaker for you. It's all but impossible. And try uniting a country of millions around one set of opinions. Forget about it. The party is officially over.
4: Yeah, Adam house.
1: That was great, Adam. Um, Here's the thing. The polls don't look too good for the coalition. Uh, They're behind 47 to 52. However, if you look at preferred prime minister, Scott Morrison is absolutely killing it. He's got 43% and prime minister... I almost said prime minister, Bill Shorten. Oh, my God. (laughs) And Bill Shorten's 35%. That's 43 to 35. Why do Australians hate Bill Shorten so much?
6: Yeah, it is sad. What did you say? They're doing an impression of an emotion every single day. <laughs> Mimicking human emotion. Mimicking human emotion. They, think gotten they, a lot they better. called
1: it with Hillary, what do they call it? The authenticity gap. He's got like a
6: Big
0: one.
6: Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody met him? Like, yeah. is he one of those people that up close is a lot better? He's
0: totally normal yeah. until the moment you turn on a microphone. Yeah. It's really <laughs> eerie. Like, I've been in a room with Bill Shorten. I've been this close to him, and I've been like, G'day, Bill Lewis. Nice to meet you. He's like, G'day, Lewis. Good to meet you. I'm like, What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, We're about to go on air. And he's like, Great. And I'm like, And we're here with uh, opposition leader Bill Shorten. Bill, how are you?
4: <laughs> uh, oh,
3: Fig, I'm happy to be here. You know what I it was like?
4: It's
5: like, what happened to you in the last ten seconds? Mean, well, also, if he became Prime Minister, could anyone imitate him? <laughs> could anybody? Can you imitate Bill Short? Yes. Yeah, so who's the Anthony
6: Aykroyd to, uh, yeah. to, 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 to Bill Shorten? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just I'd I- love to see know, Adam do it.
5: Imitating Scott Morrison's <laughs> oh, easy enough. You just shout a whole lot. And... Um, and imitating Peter Dutton's all right. You just kill yourself and yeah. then still stand out there yeah. and, and sort of.
6: But this is the cartoonist dilemma too, isn't it? Like, do you look yeah. at Bill and like, there's no, there's, do you have the big ears? It's is it
5: just? kind of a bit the, balloony.
6: The guy you could get to do the impressions is the guy that does the travel centre ads. You know, the cat, the the, the airline <laughs> captain with the hat. He's Bill Short. That's...
3: I don't speak it is Bill Shorten. You realise Short. he has a twin brother. His twin brother could have a fantastic career in imitating Bill Shorten. I didn't know that. He has a twin brother. He has a twin brother. <laughs> the they, they're thing... not identical, but they are oh. twins. The
0: things we don't know about Bill Shorten.
3: Yeah. yeah. How I'm do right. people not know that he has... His name is Bill Shorten. He has a twin brother named Bob Shorten. (laughs) What? Bill and Bob How do people not know this? That is absolutely true. Is that real? They are are
6: Bill and Bob Shorten. I think 100% true. No, no, you're confusing it with the flowerpot, man. (laughs) How do (laughs) people not...
3: And this man wants
6: to be our prime minister. (laughs) I actually, I feel feel
0: like he should tell people, like, I like him more now I know that he has a twin brother called Bob. He should tell everyone. Bring out Bob. (laughs)
4: Bring out Bob. Bring
5: out... But Bob, Bob would front up and he'd say, oh, hi, uh, uh, I didn't ever get a rut life in politics because Bill's the one with the personality." <laughs> <laughs> you
4: know, th- th- this is
5: literally
3: the most interesting thing about Bill Shorten and you think, yeah.
5: oh, you find out something like, Bill Shorten has a
3: brother named Bob Shorten, he's going to be whacking it off the ball or something. He- he's the most boring human being on the yeah, planet. Yeah, he's yeah. like a, a financial planner yeah, in yeah. inner suburban uh, <laughs> Victoria, it is... Very disappointing.
6: Um, well, who did the... we need to get him on the show? <laughs> who did the sketch? Somebody did a sketch on air. It was it was two on YouTube or something? It was, it was two two women, being PR people saying Vote the for feed. Yep. Vote for oh, yes. Chloe Shorten's husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Really good. Really good stuff. Did you guys see? I, I made a sketch this week and put it out online. It was um, I, I just asked people in the street who who they thought the prime minister was. <laughs> Um, and nobody knew, uh... It was Bondi though, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> 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 is it worth playing it? Do you want to play it? Oh. Here we go. Who is the Prime Minister of Australia? Last time it was John Howard, I don't know who it is at the moment to be honest, honest with you. Who? Scovo. Scovo? <laughs> I honestly don't know. Good question. <laughs>
4: oh dear. Oh, I don't know at the moment.
2: It could be Shorten or it could be the other guy. Um what's his name? I can't even remember his um uh I can't I don't even know his name.
3: Malcolm Turnbull.
2: Not Malcolm Turnbull, I can't think of his name.
3: No, it's not. It's
4: not,
3: <laughs> no, I got that wrong. I was gonna say James Cameron. That's a tough one actually. Yeah, I don't know. Last
1: last one I heard about was John Howard. No one really makes a big deal about it anymore.
4: Oh my god, I actually uh, don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's
1: um. <laughs> Like there was Kevin Rudd, John Howard, then nothing.
4: <laughs> I don't know. No idea.
1: Everyone's talking about, is it Julia Gillard at the moment? Which one's the one that shut down all the music festivals? I actually don't know. I don't know. Don't know? It changes so much. Gladys. Gladys, yeah. Everyone's talking, like complaining about her at the moment. Yeah.
0: I love it when the guy yeah, said "Scovo," like it was an ice Scovo. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I want to play a quick game with you now. Uh, let's play the popularity contest with Bill Shorten. It's a simple game. I'm going to read out something, and I want you all to tell me, the royal you, to tell me whether it's more or less popular than Bill Shorten. So it's going to be a bit like The Price Is Right. Okay. Um, so first of all, more or less popular than Bill Shorten?
6: Polygamy. <laughs> more, more or less.
4: More. Oh. More
6: oh. Does it involve Bill Shorten?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Polygamy is uh, so Bill Shorten's popularity uh, approval rating is at thirty five percent. Polygamy is only seventeen. So, oh, oh, okay. Uh, oh,
5: okay. Oh, uh,
1: what about human I... cloning?
5: Ah. More or less. He's got a twin brother. It's already
1: happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> human cloning is also less popular. Eleven percent of people okay. approve of oh, human okay. cloning. Okay. What about? Ghosts oh,
4: Less popular oh, okay. less, popular. less, popular, than less ghosts.
1: popular than ghosts It's a dead heat Ghosts <laughs> <laughs> Ghosts approval rating Are ghost? 31% According to Gallup poll 31% Only 4 points behind Bill Shorten yeah. Is something that Aspecters yeah, specters. specters. Alright What about um? What about A 2004
3: Mark Latham <laughs>
5: More uh, popular. He'd more, be more, more popular than Bill More popular He would be more, more
1: popular
5: he more. than He was, more he
1: was. Latham. Mark Latham, Latham. is He's that sexy Mark Latham than Bill Shorten
3: is that sexy Mark Latham? It's yeah. sexy
1: Mark Latham. He is thirty-nine percent more popular. Yeah. <laughs> what Bobby. about Tanya Plibersek? More. More.
5: Uh, he's less popular. No, nah, she's more popular. She's
1: more popular than Bill Shorten. Yeah. What about Donald Trump?
5: He more is popular. so popular. He is really, really popular. Nah.
1: <laughs> he is. He's got an approval rating of forty-two oh, percent. Donald shit. Trump is more popular than Bill Shorten. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There you go. What about Lewis Hobber? Yeah, really.
4: Lewis Hobber! He's
1: more popular than Bill Shorten.
0: What a way to take the microphone, being like not clapped as being less popular than Bill Shorten. I was going to talk about something else. Now the whole thing's about fuck you. Uh, No, I'm... uh, Well... Can I just get a little show of hands? Who's been to a music festival here in the last five years? Okay, that's good. It's better than I was expecting, frankly. So that's great news. See, I told you, fuck you, I'm coming back at you. All right. Over the the years, governments in this country have declared war on many things. There was Howard's war on terror. There was Abbott's war on red tape. There was Gillard's war on misogyny. And I sometimes like to guess who we'd be at war with if Mark Latham had won an election. (laughs) Maybe the moon. (laughs) And as wild as that would have been, it would still be less insane than the New South Wales War on Music Festivals. Yes, the Berejiklian blitzkrieg on fun rages ever on. A fed fast that never ends. If you missed this story, a bunch of music festivals in New South Wales have been forced to cancel because of new regulations. The government can now tell a festival how many police they're required to have, which they then need to hire off the government. In one case, the festival cancelled when it was told one week out that it would have to hire an extra $200,000 worth of cops. And if you're thinking that telling people how much of a thing they are required by law to buy off you sounds like a good business model, you're right, it is. It is getting the tick of approval from Shark Tank. If you or I did it, it would be called racketeering. The most jaunty of crimes. It feels really strange to live in a place where it is a vote-winner to attack festivals. Festivals! In any other country, the word itself invokes a sense of community and fun. And to wage a war against music. (laughs) If you're writing an 80s film or rock opera and you need a villain to do something
2: cartoonishly evil,
4: Music. We're in
2: Footloose!
0: <laughs> if Gladys Berejiklian gets re elected on an anti music platform, then she might as well just do a victory speech in a coat made of 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> no one here cares. Not you, them, the trash out there. You guys are beautiful. <laughs> and if you're listening at home, also beautiful. So apart from the festivals that have already been cancelled, like Mountain Sounds and sci fi a bunch of other festivals like Laneway have announced they might have to cancel next year's festival because of these new regu- regulations. Now, in 15 years of doing Laneway in Sydney, two people have had to go to hospital. In 15 years. That's less people dying than a Sydney theatre company matinee. <laughs> their hearts just give out when they say Hugo Weaving he's very good he's electric <laughs> and if you're a Gen X or boomer thinking that the loss of a festival like Saifari doesn't really affect you I would like to remind you of this famous poem first they came for Saifari <laughs> but I didn't speak out because I didn't like hard style trance. And then they came for Laneway, and I didn't speak out because I didn't like fun in tight places. But then they came for Byron Bay Blues and Roots Festival. And it was too late! Because I didn't say anything, and now how will I see Vicar and Linda Ball? That's right, even Bluesfest, the one you people love, has announced that it might leave New South Wales. That's going to decimate the slide guitar industry.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I don't expect music festivals to be everyone's number one voting issue. But New South Wales let a government tell them when they could and could not buy alcohol. It goes against everything I know about this country. <laughs> At this point, the only thing I can think of that would get Sydney ciders actually angry is a war against F 45. I don't know what to do. What can I do? Can I re pitch music festivals in a way that boomers might understand? We know boomers think drugs are bad. I mean, they did it in the 60s, obviously, but now it's us, not them, so it's bad. They know that, uh, We know that boomers think young people never talk to each other because we're always on our phones. Well, music festivals solve all these problems. The reception's always really shit, or the 4G's jammed with people using Instagram. We can't use our phones, and after a few caps, we love to talk to each other.
4: <laughs>
0: Look, old people, the enemy of your enemy is your friend! <laughs> I don't know, maybe New South Wales is right, maybe we should just cancel fun. Let's just stay in every weekend and once a year we'll spend all our savings to go to the Domain to see whatever's left of Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Break the chain. Once Sydney is completely given up, we can segregate the entire population of Australian cities by age bracket. At 20 years old, you'll be forced to move to Melbourne, where you'll actually be allowed to have a good time. At 30, you'll move to Brisbane to settle down, get married, get sad, get divorced. (laughs) You'll spend your 40s in Adelaide drinking wine and getting into cycling. (laughs) At 50s, the Gold Coast for tanning and tax breaks. And then finally you'll turn 60 and you'll be ready for Sydney. (laughs) A retirement village with no young people and no music. Just cops and messina. It'll be our Florida, (laughs) humid and full of people you wish would die but won't. (laughs) And when all the septuagenarians. Fuck, I knew I shouldn't have written that word down. (laughs) It's harder to say with no teeth, you'll get there eventually. (laughs) And when all the septuagenarians commemorate the day they won the fun war, they won't have a minute's silence. They'll have a
1: lifetime of it. That's it for Irrational Fear. Please thank our fear mongers for tonight. Kathy Wilcox, Adam Liao, Lewis Hover, James Valentine, DJ Dollar Rosie Waterland. Irrational Fear is recorded live on stage at Giant Dwarf. Until next time, there's always something to be scared of. Good night! Don't
4: forget to unplug
2: your set. Irrational Fear.